This is Mark Kelly, and I'm part of the leadership at City Church Leeds, and I want to thank you for downloading this podcast. I hope that it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. If you find these podcasts helpful, would you please consider standing with us and supporting us? For more information about this and other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. So welcome to 2014. If you haven't welcomed yourself and others haven't welcomed you already, this is a year of arrangements, of seeing what God is going to do and what things he has put in place. And I am, I'm really excited about that. What a, what a fantastic word. And do you know when Ben spoke that word, it really, it really spoke to my heart. I really thought, yeah, God's going to do some stuff in 2014. I know that we, we probably say something similar every year. But I think every year has been building and building and building. And talking of building, I think we're going to sell the building or we're going to do something maybe out of the box to do with the building. I don't know, but either way, we're going to see ourselves somewhere else, impacting some people, doing some stuff that's going to be fantastic. Have we displayed that? Let's just display the, the teaser picture. I'll let you look at that for a little while. And have a think about what I'm going to say. There's an old saying that we, we probably all know. And the saying is this, you're never too old to learn. And let me give you one lesson that you're never too old to learn. And it's from Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now what this means is this. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Help us to spend them as we should. Now, who has got a pound coin in their pocket or in their wallet? Could you get a pound coin out and could you hold it in your hand and then come and give them all to me? No. Just hold the pound coins in your hand. And if you haven't got a pound coin, maybe somebody's got two pound coins and they could loan you one. Hold the pound coin in your hand. Have a look at it. If you're really struggling to locate a pound coin, don't worry. It's <laughs> Any, anything, anything. A pound coin would be good. It's for such a short point I'm about to make <laughs> that I've overspent time looking for a pound coin. Life, I'm going to suggest to you, is like that pound coin. You can spend it anywhere you want to, but you can only spend it once. So that pound, that actual pound, or that penny, or that whatever, in your hand, you can spend that however way you want to, but you can only spend that particular one. You can only spend it once. And there are only two ways that you can spend it. You can waste it, you can just flitter it away on nonsense, or you can invest it. And the same, I think, can be said of life. So let me repeat that by saying that you can either waste it, or you can invest your life. Now, whether you're young, old, 60, or 6, healthy, or wealthy, puny, or poor, you can decide today 
at the beginning of this brand spanking new year to make the rest of your life the best of your life. You can make the decision today to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Now, I'm not saying you haven't done that already, but we're making a decision today that we're not going to waste 2014 and that we're going to enter in and step into those arrangements that have been spoken about this morning. And so here's a question. If you could ask Jesus how to make the rest of your life the best of your life, what do you think his answer would be? What do you think his answer would be? Say it louder. To put, put him first. Anybody else? Following you or Jesus? Follow Jesus, yeah. That's what he would say. You were asking him the question. Anybody else? Listening to his voice. Seek first the kingdom. You're connecting the dots. They're all amazing answers and they're all absolutely correct. Because we don't have to wonder. Because the Bible tells us. Matthew 6 verse 33 says what? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. And you can summarize what Jesus said here, I think, in three simple, easy to remember words. And at the end of the day, you can just see it. First things first. I think that if we all, beginning today, consciously, continuously, and consistently, put first things first, it would absolutely transform our lives. So the title of today's talk can either be Seeking First the Kingdom or First Things First. So let me present some stuff to you that I think will help us put first things first. Set proper priorities. We all set priorities for different things in different ways. But I think setting priorities is the thing that can challenge us the most when it comes to the kingdom of God. If our priorities are not set in order, then our lives won't be in order. If our priorities aren't right, then we won't be right. We don't have to pray about what our number one priority is. We shouldn't even have to think about it. We don't have to discuss it. We don't have to do some soul searching for it. We don't have to go off on some pilgrimage to find it. We just have to do it. Because Jesus has already told us what our first priority ought to be. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And that word, seek, means to actively pursue, to go after. It's in the present tense. It means continuously. Every single day of our lives ought to be about seeking first the kingdom of God. Amen? Yes? Now, in order to seek the kingdom... And I think this is really important for those that don't yet believe. We must first seek who? The king. The king. Because you can't have a kingdom without a king. And this is coming from me, the Republican amongst you. 
you can't have a kingdom without a king. Am I right? And as you said, the king is Jesus. The king is Jesus. So if you're not a believer, and you're wondering what this kingdom is, and want to know more, I just simply implore you to find out who Jesus is. Find out who Jesus is. And if you've been seeking something, and you think that this something is Jesus, then don't delay. Receive him as your savior and as your king today and begin an amazing relationship with him. And if it really can't be today, if it really can't be right now, ask me about doing Alpha. Come on an Alpha course. It's been amazing, the Alpha course we've been doing so far, hasn't it? Brilliant conversations that we've had, haven't we, Mark? The Alpha Course is something designed to help you understand what the Christian faith is in really simple ways and opportunities to discuss it. So if you're on that journey but you can't receive Jesus today because you still need to understand or you still need to have what we call a revelation of the heart, then talk to me afterwards about doing an Alpha Course. Or for those of you who believe, think about who you can start to, you can begin to invite. And when I say begin to invite, because it normally takes one or two and maybe more invitations for people to go, do you know what, all right, I will. I'll come on this Alpha course and I'll see what it's all about. All right? So don't just ask once. Don't just ask twice. Ask loads of times until they're fed up and they'll just give in and they'll come and find out what Alpha is. Because the majority of people, when they come in Alpha, they actually go, do you know what, this is actually quite all right. I'm quite enjoying this. I quite like these people. So that's my plug for Alpha. The first part of James 4 says this. It says, come close to God and God will come close to you. God has promised in his word, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And that's from Jeremiah 29, verse 13. Only when you accept God will you begin to understand what it means when the Bible asks us to seek first his kingdom. Jesus said these words, seek first the kingdom of God. So as the father is the king of his kingdom, First things first means putting the Father first. Now, if you're not already in Matthew 6, can I suggest you turn to Matthew 6 right now? Because I'm just going to bat around in there a few times. And um, go to verse 30. And I'll just read from there. So let me just give you a few moments to do that. If you've got a Bible app, open your Bible app. Type in Matthew 6, colon 30. You'll get to it. Okay, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So there are three words I either want you to circle with a pen or mentally circle in this passage. In verse 30, circle or mentally circle the word faith. In verse 32, circle or mentally circle the word father. And in verse 33, the words Above 
all. Why don't you just say them together? Faith, Father, above all. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it said, It is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. If you've got any ambiguous questions about life and your faith, just read the Bible. It makes some things really quite plain. It's not a book of ambiguity. Faith is putting the Father first, above all else. Jesus doesn't want a place in our lives. Jesus doesn't want prominence in our lives. Jesus wants preeminence in our lives. And what this means is that he is superior to all other things and to all other people in our lives. That's difficult to come to terms with, isn't it? It's difficult to kind of grasp. I mean, we can say it as Christians. We kind of go, yeah, 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 we get that. But really, when push comes to shove, are we doing that? Are we putting, are we giving him preeminence above our sons, our daughters, our wives, our friends, our family? Are we doing that? Let me tell you this. Jesus desires the first moment of every day. Jesus desires the first day of every week. Jesus desires to be the first. So why do we meet on a Sunday? And why do we meet on a Sunday morning? Because Sunday, traditionally, not in our Western culture that we have today, which says that Monday is the first day of the week, Sunday is the first day of the week. And so on Sunday morning, we're giving him our all. We're giving him priority. We're putting him first. And so that's why it's so, so important that we don't miss this opportunity to come together as a family. It's not to come together to fill the tithe box. It's not to come together to listen to a good word, although I hope you're appreciating what I'm saying so far. It's not to come together to sing some lovely songs. It's to come together so he has preeminence, and we're showing that by what we're doing and by who we are and where we are at the first day of the week. Do we agree with that? Most of you should because you're here, so that's good. He desires to be the king on the throne of your heart. So if we've sought the king and we've found him, we now need to seek the kingdom. The kingdom of God as a believer ought to be an obsession of your life. And to seek this kingdom means very simply, and this is so sad. I, for, I went to Covenant College for a year and still didn't really understand what people said when they talked about the kingdom by the end of the year. But I came to a revelation at some point between then and now, which means this. It's very simple, and you could go much deeper. But to seek his kingdom means we are to seek his rule and his reign. So what is the kingdom? It's his rule and his reign. Don't let it get any more complicated than that. If, if, if you think you need to be some theological professor, just think of it as it's his rule and his reign. A kingdom, funnily enough, is where a king reigns and rules. To seek the kingdom of God is to seek the rule and reign of God over your entire life. So if we're truly seeking the king, Jesus, and his kingdom... I think we're automatically looking for three things. 
Let me list them for you. First of all, we're looking for the glory of the King. Every bit of your life, every minute and moment of your time, every ounce of your strength, every muscle and fiber of your body should be given for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It also means that we're looking for guidance from the king. A loyal, humble subject always wants to do whatever the king would have him do. There's no higher calling in life than finding out what Jesus wants you to do and then do it. There's no higher calling in life to find out what Jesus wants you to do and then do it. Every morning of your life ought to begin by asking Jesus a similar question, or if not the question, actually. It's what Paul asked him on the road to Damascus in Acts. Simply said, Lord, what shall I do? Lord, what shall I do? And finally, we're looking to do his will. If your will was that God's will would always be done in your life, then your will would always be done. I'm going to say that a little bit slowly so you can get it. I couldn't work out a way of making this sentence any less tongue-twisting because it's just truth. If your will was that God's will would always be done in your life, then your will will always be done. Do you get it? You can ask me for that again afterwards. So what else helps us put first things first? So we've talked about priorities. Second thing is seek personal purity. Seek personal purity. Not only are we to seek his kingdom, we've been asked to seek his righteousness. That is not only are we to be seeking God's will for us, but we should also be seeking God's character within us. The kingdom of God is not only to be inwardly expressed, it's also to be outwardly expressed. And once again, I come back to it, that meeting together is a way in which we can outwardly express it together as a family. If we're allowing God to have his rule and reign in our lives, then his righteousness will be within us. Character can be said to be simply the outward expression of whatever is controlling a person inwardly. So in other words, faith is always seen by its fruit. Character is always seen by its conduct. Proverbs 20.12 tells us, Ears to hear and eyes to see. Both are gifts from the Lord. As we seek the kingdom of God, people ought to be able to see the kingdom of God, this righteous rule and reign in us. We're never going to make a difference in this world until the world sees a difference in us. We're never going to see a difference in this world unless the world sees a difference in us. Um, there's a guy called Nietzsche. He's a famous German philosopher. 
he came to the conclusion that, in quotes, God is dead. It's said that he came to this conclusion by looking at Christianity. And he's quoted as saying, concerning Christians, if you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you're going to have to look a little more redeemed. If you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you're going to have to look a little more redeemed. So what does it mean then to seek the righteousness of God? And again, I've got three things. We must desire it. We must desire it. We do what we really want to do and are what we really want to be. We do what we really want to do and are we what we really want to be. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. In some translations, it says thirst for justice. And it's important that in a Hebraic mindset as well, that righteousness and justice, they're almost interchangeable. Those two words can be the same root word, righteousness and justice. And I love the way that the message translation puts it. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. We should have a desire to be right, to do right, to live right. Just as much as a hungry person desires food and a thirsty person desires water. Second thing, we must derive it. We're to seek his righteousness. God's not interested in our righteousness. God's not interested in primarily what we can do. He's interested in what he can do through us. We need to learn or to be reminded of the difference between self-righteousness and the Savior's righteousness. Paul said after he was saved, he made this one of the goals of his life. He said in Philippians 3 verse 9 that he wanted to become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through my faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. There's a saying that righteousness must be imputed before it can be imparted. And let me make that a little bit more simple. Before you can live it, God must give it. And that's a Twitter quote if I ever heard one, Ben. Before you can live it, God must give it. And this is exactly why Jesus came and why Jesus died. So that we might have the righteousness of God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right, made righteous with God through Christ. That's in 2 Corinthians 5. And finally, we must depict it. We must depict it. We need to live our lives like kingdom subjects. Someone once said this, which makes this point really well. And it's this. We ought to live in such a way that we would not be ashamed to give the family parrot to the village gossip. Did you get that? We, we ought to live in such a way that we shouldn't be ashamed to give the family parrot 
to the village gossip. In other words, nobody can hang anything on you because you're living righteously. So that takes it from a public setting into a private setting, a family setting. And I ain't saying I've got it all together. Just because I'm saying these words doesn't mean I've got it all together. I think I said a few weeks ago, it's the message that's important, not the messenger. Because none of you could preach a word without at some point being a little bit hypocritical, maybe even, because you know that you've got to work on stuff in your life. So I'm holding my hand up. I'm just saying to you, the stuff I've got to work on, my family parrot might say a few embarrassing things. So what would your family parrot say and work on that? So if you're going to take one thing away from you, that is go buy a parrot and think about what he might say to the village gossip. And finally, to put first things first, we need to seek promised prosperity. We need to seek promised prosperity. God says in the Bible, if you seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, he will give you everything you need. So the question I'm going to ask is, what is this everything that's being referred to? He was talking about all the things that people worry about, that we worry about. In the message version of Matthew 6, again, it helps put things in an easier to understand way. It says this, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. In verse 19 of this same chapter, we're told that people worry about finances. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. In verse 25, we're told that people worry about food. And that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And in verse 28, we're told directly that people worry about what they wear. And don't worry about your clothing. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. So all these things are things that we need. That's why it says in verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. God has promised us that if we seek first his kingdom and seek first his righteousness, we'll have all the things that we need. So here's four things to think about. First of all, you don't need everything you want. And this is coming from someone who loves to buy Apple products. You don't need an iPad Air. Oh. You need two. <laughs> Secondly, you don't want everything that you need. I never wanted a smacked bottom for doing something really naughty as a kid. I never wanted to sit in boring lessons. And as I got into work, I never wanted to attend laborious health and safety sessions. I don't want to do all those things. And there's loads I'm sure you can think about. But I needed to do them. Thirdly, God doesn't give us everything we want. And I suppose in some ways I'm glad that he doesn't. 
Because one of the greatest blessings of God is found in those things that he doesn't give us. How do we learn? How do we develop and mature if everything we want and desire is laid out on a plate for us without the lessons of patience, perseverance, and endurance? We just become spoiled children, don't we? Spoilt kids that scream and stomp when they don't get their way. And spoilt children who blame everybody else for their problems and not themselves. And finally, remember that God always gives us what we need. There's a story of two shops that were across the street from each other. Highly competitive. Always wanting to get ahead and Maybe you might think of the pound shop versus Poundland. I don't know, whatever helps in your head. A manager of one of the shops came out one day and he nailed a great big sign over the front of his store that said, if you want it, we have it. The manager from the other shop walked out. He saw that sign. He thought for a few moments, went back into his shop and later came out with a sign that he nailed over his store that said, if we don't have it, you don't need it. No matter what you think you need, if you don't have it, it's because God knows at this point in your life, you don't need it. What God is trying to teach us is that it's our job to serve God. And he wonderfully has made it his job to supply all that we need. If we have an attitude of self-serving and self-striving, expecting God to act like some kind of Santa Claus and hand out gifts whenever we ask, then we're in danger of having an attitude that cuts off the blessing of God. I read a line where someone said that we've been called to live from hand to mouth. But that's okay if it's his hand and my mouth. If it's his hand and my mouth. And there's another story that makes this point. And it's about a missionary who was getting ready to embark and go away to a foreign country. And as he was getting on his ship, a friend of his, who was a very wealthy person, came to him and slipped an envelope into his hand that was sealed. His friend said, take this envelope. And if at any time while you're overseas, you come to a place where you've exhausted every other possibility and you don't know where else to turn, and you have a need that cannot be met anywhere else, open the envelope. Well, the missionary took the envelope, thanked him, put it in his pocket, walked onto the ship, and after arriving at his destination, he stayed at that mission field for 20-plus years. And at the end of the 20-plus years, he came back home. And as he left the ship, he was met by the same wealthy friend, And he returned the envelope to the man, still sealed, still unopened. And he said to him, never did I come to a place where I did not know where to turn nor what to do. So the simple conclusion, or the simple questions we need to ask ourselves and each other is this. Do you want to make the rest of your life the best of your life? 
Are you going to put first things first? That's a challenge. But it's a challenge that we need to undertake and a challenge that we need to set forth as believers that we're just going to follow through and we're going to work that one out. And for those of us who don't believe or those of us who are struggling with belief, let me say this. If you allow Jesus Christ to be your Lord, to serve him and to love him, seeking his kingdom, putting him first in everything, and choosing to live every moment for him, he will take care of the rest. He will take care of the rest.